0: Hey what is up party people, welcome back to the Chance Pod. I'm your host Sarah who has been struggling to write the trainer ball in chapter 73, but fortunately for you, dear listener, we ain't there yet. I do actually want to take this opportunity to say, uh, if you didn't listen to the podcast trailer. Um, You should, you should do that. Um, the prologue, the prologue is in there and it's actually a critical part of the beginning of Chance. And also I go through all my major disclaimers there, but when I look at the episode analytics, chapters one through three have about twice as many listens as the prologue does. Oops. Um, but also big shout out to all the listeners around the world who I don't know personally, including at least one person in Australia. That's right. This shout out is for you and for everyone else who found this podcast by chance, but also specifically for you. Okay, enough rambling. It's tournament time. Chapter 34. Information. Did I mention this was the week of the Valor Resort Tournament? Most tournaments, apart from the League itself and a few others, are separated by badge level. Depending on participation, this could be anywhere between two and eight divisions. Valor Resort was a four-division tournament. I wasn't sure how many badges Don and Lucas each had, but there was a 50-50 chance they would end up in the three and four badge range. Don and Lucas came to Valor for the tournament last year. I was guessing they'd do so again. Thomas happened to have four badges, same as me, so I forced him to run up to Veilstone and get a fifth.
1: Are you sure you'll be okay? I glared at him. That's fair.
0: I smiled brightly. I'm not letting you compete in the 3 and 4 badge division when you've been training for so long.
1: Time doesn't mean skill.
0: I pushed him in the direction of Veilstone. Bye now. As for me, well, there was lots to do. I stayed in crowded places and kept a Pokemon out at all times. When we left the city to train, Prom and I were constantly on the lookout. Noises coming from behind us made both of us jump. For the next week, I focused on training with trust, courage, and hope. Strength conditioning, agility, and... Whatever Hope was doing. Hope, the battle's down here. She was too high in the air again, and Curb, who was supposed to be dodging, was sitting in the grass licking her fur. I'd taught Hope Shockwave with the TM, so she could in theory hit her opponent. The problem was, she wasn't even trying.
2: can she hear you? Def wondered. Dunno.
0: Try talking to her. He looked up into the sky. A few moments later, I heard...
2: This may take a while.
0: Apparently I hadn't properly explained battling to Hope. Or, at any rate, she didn't really get it. Jeff tried for a bit, and then we brought Hope down so we could all teach her how to battle. Prompted did a short demo of physical fighting, Kerr of dodging, Death of special attacking. Faith was having a literal field day with the marsh plants.
3: weed.
0: Yes, Faith, I see. Marsh. So, I let her be. Hope agreed to have a mock battle with Trust, but the first hit, keeping in mind he was 100% going easy on her, with his first hit, she squealed and rocketed into the sky as fast as her little wings would take her. Hmm... I watched her hover. I had never gotten around to doing damage training with them. I mean, let's get real a sec, it's literally training Pokemon to handle pain. Pokemon rights activists call it Pokemon torture, and there's really not a lot of great counter arguments to that besides, but the Pokemon are okay with it. I did damage training with Liana and Kesar because I knew they could handle it, but I hated it in general and had been putting it off with this team. And judging by Hope's reaction to one hit, now didn't seem like the time to start. At this point, I decided to break the problem down into a level of foolishness. Hope doesn't like getting hit. Solution? Don't let her get hit. Watching her soar high in the air, I laughed to myself. The fools are the wisest in Shakespeare. So we taught her to dodge. Or more accurately, she knew how to dodge. We just helped her practice. It was a game. First a game of try to barely miss her with a move, then as we became more confident in her abilities, a game of just go ahead and try to hit her. From there, actual battling was just a matter of adding in a few moves. Death helped her out with Magical Leaf, I worked with her on Swift to round out the moveset a little. That's good, Hope! Let's call it a day! She swooped down. I didn't realize she was going to tackle me until it was too late. Ooh, I love you too, Hope. I said, patting her on the back. My other Pokemon took this as an invitation for a group hug. Cute. Tuesday, November 2nd. Looker teleported me to Town to chat. He looked much better than when I saw him last, like he'd finally gotten some sleep.
2: So when I saw Yuxi...
0: He explained as we walked somewhere.
2: He didn't exactly give me the information I was looking for. Not directly, at least. Instead, he gave me a location and two people.
0: Celestic, I assume? Yeah. Who are the people?
2: That's where it gets complicated. One of them is in the Pokemon League, but the other lives here. You've met her before.
0: We stopped at a cottage. He knocked on the door. In a moment, a woman with gray hair opened it.
3: Oh, it's you again.
0: Professor Carolina, right?
3: Yes, yes, come inside.
0: The professor led us to the room we'd convened in last time, back when we went to rescue the orbs from the museum. Back when I was on better terms with Lucas. I sighed a little. Something wrong? Oh, no, nothing. The professor took a seat on an armchair. Looker and I took the sofa. Quite
3: frankly, my granddaughter is the expert on mythology. I'm more of the archaeology expert.
2: That's alright. We don't want to trouble your granddaughter.
3: Didn't think twice about troubling me.
2: At any rate, thank you for agreeing to meet with us.
3: Don't mention it. What do you want to know?
2: Let's start with Spear Pillar. What would be required to summon Dialga and Palkia there?
0: Professor Carolina snorted.
3: <laughs> You'd need to open it first. Open? Open Spear Pillar. It's been sealed off since ancient times. How would you do it? The Spear Key. It's an artifact that's been lost for centuries. Ancient texts say it's in a sacred place, but that could be anywhere. Iron Island Ruins, Snowpoint Temple, Foreign Cultures Building, Celestion Ruins, The Lost Tower. Hard to say. And, of course, all these
0: places have been scanned to death.
2: Okay. Well, if Galactic obtained the key...
0: Looker glanced at me, because, of course, someone had obtained the key before.
2: What else would be needed to, say, summon the beasts?
0: Oh, the orbs for sure. And I think the Lake Trio. The Lake Trio? The Pokemon themselves, not just the Red Chain? Carolina glared at me.
3: I know what I'm talking about, child.
0: I'm not. Okay, anything else?
3: The Red Chain would be helpful. To control the Pokemon. I know it's based on the Lake Trio, but the creators of Spear Pillar are only meant to summon Dialga and Palkia, not to hold them hostage.
2: Okay, so we've got the Lake Trio, the Red Chain, Spear Key, and the Orbs.
0: Luka summarized.
2: How could the Red Chain be created without the presence of the Lake Trio?
0: That's not
3: so hard. It's just a compound that doesn't occur naturally on Earth. I imagine once the chemical compound is figured out, most likely they'd look into meteorites. It wouldn't be so difficult to
0: synthesize.
2: No wonder they have a location in Veilstone. Look amused. For the Lake Trio, apparently Galactic plans to cause a ruckus at one lake to draw all three Pokemon?
0: Carolina shook her head.
3: Out of my scope. The Lake Trio is almost entirely myth-based. My granddaughter can help you there.
2: But surely you can still- I've
3: told you what I know. If you have no further questions I can answer, I have no further time to spare.
0: As it turned out, she had no further time to spare. At least not for now. Looker and I took a walk around Town. So, what now? He sighed.
2: Well, we do know quite a bit. Maybe it's good enough to say we stopped Galactic from creating the bomb so they never get to the lake trail.
0: You don't really think so. Looker shook his head.
2: We're missing so much still. Just think, if we knew where the spear key was, we could protect it from Galactic and lock them out of Spear Pillar, and other things.
0: We looked out over the town. From where we stood, we could see the ruins. I hadn't been inside recently, But I knew the back wall of the caves told of how Azelf, Mesprit, and Yuxi could meet at Spear Pillar to summon a member, or members, if Galactic succeeded, of the Creation Trio. What do you think it means, that Azelf and Yuxi appeared to us?
2: I can only guess,
0: Licker admitted. With a huff, he said.
2: Alright, I guess we need to see her granddaughter.
0: She's the one who's part of the Sinnoh League?
2: Worse, she's the Sinnoh League champion.
0: Two days later, trainers began to arrive at Lake Valor for the tournament. I sent messages to Don, Lucas, and Thomas on my poke etch saying we could share a room. Things get crowded during tournaments, so I hoped Lucas didn't mind too much. Don arrived while I was settling in. "'Oh, hey,' I said, closing Looker's diary. I was trying to write down the details we'd learned, to sort of organize the information. "'Hey, long time no see.' "'Oh, yeah,' I said, trying to remember when I'd last seen her. "'Stark Mountain?' "'It's been a good, what, two or three weeks?' "'Think so, yeah. What's new?' Dawn asked, setting her bag on the ground. Hmm, not much. I managed to get a heart home badge. Ugh, oh, man. I hear Fantina's one of the hardest to beat. She can be. It's nice getting her out of the way before I have to fight stronger teams. Hmm, I suppose so. I defeated Candice while I was up in Snowpoint. Oh, nice. You have... a fire type? I frowned. Were all the rest of her Pokemon weak to ice? Uh yeah. I fought with Alan, Kenna, and Elliot. Fire, water, steel, and... Have you met my Electabuzz? I picked him up sort of on the way here. I haven't yet. Have you met all of my team? I introduced her to Kerr, the one Pokemon she hadn't met. It occurred to me that we had six Pokemon each. Full teams, and if we were to take our rivalry seriously, time to strategize against that team. We socialized for a little longer, but it was clear that we both really wanted to get some last minute tournament prep in. I spent the rest of the afternoon doing lightweight target practice, evasion skills, working just a little more with trust on focus punch. I wasn't sure he was ready to use in battle, but it was a possibility. When I returned, Don was sitting on a top bunk. Lucas's bag hung from the end of the other top bed. He's here? Yeah, he's downstairs somewhere. I guess you guys caught up already? Yeah, his grotto and handau evolved, by the way, and he has a Riolu. Oh, thanks. Nice of her. Do you know his badge count, by the way? Four, like us. <sighs> We're not behind. I took the bottom bunk below Dawn and pulled out the Pokemon Center clothes I borrowed, preparing for a shower. Hey, Dawn. Hmm? You checked out Lake Acuity, right? Yeah, it took a while to get there because I had to wait out the blizzard. Did you find anything unusual? Not really. Why, did you? Nah. I hadn't really expected her to say yes, since Looker had seen Yuxi already. Later that night, I went downstairs to hang out in the Pokemon Center lobby. Thomas hadn't arrived yet, but mostly I was hoping to run into Lucas. Trust was out. I didn't expect to get attacked when there were so many trainers nearby, but I liked having him around. Ready for the tournament? Meh, he said with a cheery nod. Meh, he asked, pointing at me. I sure hope so. There's a chance we'll go up against Don and Lucas. That'll be exciting. Hopefully it's not too early on. I don't want us to knock each other out all at once. Trust nodded. The doors to the Pokemon Center slid open. I looked up. Thomas had arrived. What division are you competing in? He stopped and put his hands on his hips.
1: I feel so welcomed.
0: I raised my eyebrows. Thomas dropped his hands inside.
1: I'm in the five and six badge division.
0: I grinned and stood up. Welcome back, I said, taking him to our room. Round one. I was facing off against some girl from Sandgem Town. Three badge trainer. I inhaled and exhaled deeply. The green room was occupied by a few other trainers, either recovering emotionally from their last battles or preparing for a battle later than mine. I hoped I wasn't forgetting anything. First tournament battle of the year, high key sets the tone. I rummaged through my bag again, checking to see if I had missed anything. My hand bumped into a small box at the bottom, Megan's gift. I pulled the necklace out and went over to the mirrors along one wall. For good luck, I thought, fastening it around my neck. Someone poked their head into the room.
2: Next up, Evelyn Myers. On deck, Axel Tokuyama.
0: I made eye contact with myself in the mirror. A little grin nudged the corner of my mouth. Showtime. Chapter 35. Luck. First round was a breeze. Two on two match, in which most beginners bring out the first two Pokemon they ever obtained. I planned to battle with Def and Kerr mostly because they weren't starter types. They also balanced each other out, if there was a Dark type, Kirk could cover. If there was a Fighting type, Def could cover. Angelica Flores from Hardhome City, Def informed me that Faith was giggling her head off about Angel's trumpet flowers, brought in a grotto and Graveler, which pretty much confirmed what I expected. I had Def in for the first round against her Grottle, and kept him in for the second round so he could sweep an easy win with Magical Leaf. Thomas was in the green room when I returned. Congrats! Thanks. Why are you dressed up? He looked like he was going on a summer date, wearing slacks and a light blue button-down.
1: It's a tournament. Why aren't you dressed up?
0: I looked around to make sure. Yep, everyone around me was dressed in normal clothes. And said, we dressed up for contests, but not usually for tournaments. Unless it's like a a theme tournament, maybe, like some historical towns do for tourism, or maybe the League itself.
1: You're performing. Why not dress your best?
0: Why not wear what you're comfortable battling in?
1: If your battling skills depend on your outfit, are you really a good trainer?
0: I started numbering off on my fingers. Skirts get blown around in battle. Tights slide down my thighs. Heels suck to stand in, and the only rental flats are too narrow for my feet. Unlike you, I'd be obligated to wear makeup.
1: Those sound like girl problems.
0: Yeah, it's much easier to dress up if it's like that, I said, gesturing at his minimal effort dressiness.
1: Why not just wear something like this?
0: I would. I've low-key always wanted to dress like a guy, but my mom was always against it.
1: I meant a shirt and pants.
0: Oh. It wouldn't be so bad.
2: Next up, Thomas Zamora. On deck, AJ. Corps.:
0: Good luck. Thanks. He said, heading out. I turned and let my smile drop into a frown. My mom didn't like me getting anywhere near cross-dressing. I hadn't even realized. Was that a bad sign? Did that mean she'd be like Malian's family? And why did Thomas's outfit bother me? Day one was round one for all divisions. Ours began with 28 trainers, so four random competitors were given a buy in round one. By evening, we were down to 16, which meant the tournament organizers would be setting up a real bracket from then on out. I hadn't talked to Lucas since he arrived. He came back somewhat late at night, and was still asleep when I left the room. He and Don had both passed around one as well, so they were gathered with the rest of the trainers in the green room, waiting for the bracket to be announced. I joined them, coming up next to Lucas. He looked my way for a second, nodded, and went back to looking somewhere else. Hey, I said softly. He wasn't even looking at anything in particular. Don leaned behind him to talk to me. There is about a one-in-five chance that one of us will face another. Oh, wow, that's exciting, I said, a little surprised at how large that chance was. An excited murmur spread from the front of the crowd. The lower division lineups had been announced. Us next. Thomas made his way toward us as the one-in-two badge trainers made their way out.
1: Did you guys get your lineup yet?
0: Not yet. We waited. I kept glancing at Lucas, trying to read his expression. When did I get so bad at this? It stressed me out more than the upcoming battle brackets. How-how-how was your first match? It was fine. Which was as brief as I should have expected. I struggled to come up with something else to say. The brackets went up, and I scanned for my name. I found it, paired with- Are you for flipping real? Literally paired with Lucas Tristan. Day two. Round two. I still couldn't believe I was going up against Lucas so soon. My stomach seemed to know what was going on better than I did. I felt sick. I went to the opposite green room a few battles before ours, so I could wish him luck. At the entrance, I peeked around the corner to see if he was already there. He and Don were talking. She spoke more animatedly than he did, which was expected. Lucas was smiling, with an expression I hadn't seen in a while. I... I guess I won't disturb them, I thought hastily, backing out of the room. On my way to the other side of the stadium, I ran into Thomas. Naturally. Are you okay? Yeah.
1: You seem nervous.
0: Oh, I, I guess. He lightly patted my shoulder.
1: It's okay. Before you go on, pretend you're a Pokemon using focus energy.
0: <laughs> I mean, I guess.
1: Good luck. Although you won't need it.
0: I shook my head, smiling. Thanks. Thomas's focus energy idea ultimately didn't work, and I wound up standing on one side of the battlefield with a stomachache, barely able to hear the judge talking. It's fine. I know it was something like Evelyn from Twinleaf and Lucas also from Twinleaf, two-on-two match, substitutions allowed between rounds. This is why you read the rules ahead of time, kids. Battlers, are you ready? Lucas nodded. I gave a thumbs up and fished out the Pokeball I needed. Battle! Begin! Trust,
2: is yours! Houndoom, use Howl.
0: Okay, I'm not gonna lie, I have forgotten what Howl does. Judging by the lack of tangible effects on the field or Trust, I guessed it was a self-imposed status move. Trust, mockpunch! Punch! Thunderfang. As the two rushed forth, I quickly analyzed the type matchup. Two fire types, one fighting, one dark. Trust had an advantage, but only with fighting moves. Trust's mock punch hit square in the face, which gave Houndoom easy access to his arm. The day two crowd cheered and called out advice that was lost to the din. Again. Avoid the mouth, I said to Def. Out loud, I said, brick break. Trust leaped over her at the last moment, landing his hit on her back. He jumped away as she turned and snapped her jaws at him.
2: Thunderfang like against Byron.
0: Avoid her mouth at all costs," I reminded Trust. Looks like Thunderfang is the only move she has that'll do much against you. If you need to, use Mach Punch. We played defensively, Trust dodging everything. When Houndoom got too close, Trust used Mach Punch in another direction to speed himself up. Brick break, I said once Houndoom started to look tired. Trust ran in and leaped. A mistake. Houndoom caught him by the foot as he came down, pulling him to the side. She discharged electricity through her teeth. In effect, Thunderbolt. But now she was close. Trust, mock punch, lots. Trust fought the electricity surging through him to nail Lucas's Houndoom in the face. He did so twice, three times, before she let go.
2: Back up. Howl.
0: I jumped at the opportunity, at the risk. Clutching my necklace pendant for luck, I told Trust, focus punch. As Houndoom howled, Trust charged up energy in his fist.
2: Quick, Thunderfang.
0: Come on, Trust. Houndoom pounced, jaws open. Trust threw his fist, and in a burst of bluish-white energy, the two were propelled back from each other. Trust caught himself. Houndoom fell and didn't get up.
3: Houndoom is unable to battle.
0: A smattering of applause from the audience. I let go of my necklace. Trust, well then. The judge looked my way, and I shook my head, indicating that I wasn't going to switch out.
2: Psyduck, go.
0: Well, Trust, do you want to forfeit the round? I asked, thinking of the type disadvantage and the damage he had already taken. He turned around with a look of mock offense on his face. <laughs> alright, alright. <laughs> mock punch, then. Confusion. As he lunged forward, I fleshed out the plan telepathically. Go with Scratch and Fury wipes mostly. Mock Punch for speed. Before he even got there, Psyduck's eyes glowed blue, lifting Trust with psychic energy. Flamethrower! It was his only distance move. Psyduck slammed Trust down and caught the fire in his psychic gaze. Trust staggered to his feet, but before he could make another move, Lucas' Psyduck rediverted his flamethrower back at him. The combination of the fire and psychic energy barreled through Trust, and while I hoped he was still standing, I already knew. Monferno is unable to battle. Great job, Trust. I said, pulling him back. The crowd murmured excitedly. I hesitated. I knew who I wanted to battle with, had type advantages, needed practice fighting, needed practice fighting water types specifically. But was now really the time for that? She is ready. Yeah.
2: Do say she is ready.
0: I breathed deeply and touched my necklace. Fly high! Hope! Hope burst from her Pokeball with a delighted squeal.
2: Psyduck, use confusion.
0: Don't let it hit you. It's hard to see. Hope was already high in the air. She swooped around, changing course erratically. Psyduck's eyes glowed blue, and her head moved around trying to pinpoint Hope. Nothing happened, and a few seconds later, she clutched her head with her flippers. Between her natural Psyduck headache and Hope's constant motion, she was having trouble getting confusion to hit. Hope, doing great. Now use Shockwave. Shockwave, I said out loud. Although Hope couldn't hear me all the way up there, I was still trying to hide that I had a telepathic Pokemon with a battle cry of Hope continued flying in swift circles and let down a bolt of electricity. Psyduck quacked in shock. (laughs) ha! get it like shockwave. (laughs) Disable. Shockwave, quick. Psyduck's eyes glowed blue and a wave of psychic energy rippled out from her body. Hope elicited another and another shockwave before the disable hit her. Shockwave got through and zapped Psyduck again, but I knew the move would be gone for a while. Hope, use swift. I said, starting to plan ahead. Hope sent a flurry of stars down at Psyduck, who was completely unprepared. For a moment, I could read Lucas's expression again, stunned confusion, and then his eyes narrowed and eyebrows returned to an impassive, albeit stressed, position. Disable, he said, glancing at me. Psyduck let out a disabling wave, and then Swift was out. Okay, Hope, use the biggest magical leaf you can.
2: Disable the next move.
0: Psyduck went for it right as Hope did. Her magical leaf got through, but I got the sense that it should have lasted longer and Psyduck was standing still. Best nice job, Hope. Keep dodging for a bit, okay? <clears throat> I heard, and Hope seemed to speed up a little. I wasn't entirely sure what Lucas said next, but it sounded like Icarus can't fly if his wings are wet. Psyduck shot a water gun into the air. Basic, an easy dodge. Until he grabbed the water with confusion, like a giant blue serpent, and went after Hope. I winced. This brought me back to the battle with Azulf. Pull it together, it's a common move. But ultimately, it was up to Hope to dodge. Don't let your wings get wet," I told her audibly and telepathically. Psyduck strained to force the water snake to keep up with Hope. She whirled and changed direction suddenly and flew with the goofy gracelessness of an oddly-weighted bird. The snake was tying itself in knots, and I realized it was almost surrounding her. Fly down and get out of it! Hope obeyed, and too late I noticed Psyduck gathering water in a water pulse. Now. Psyduck launched the sphere of water right at Hope, hitting her square in the face. Hope squealed and started to sink lower. The water had splashed her wings. She could have recovered, and it could have dried out quickly, if not for the water snake that came crashing down on her and fell with her to the ground.
2: Great job, Psyduck,
0: Lucas said, wearing a smile that hurt my heart. His Psyduck shook her head briskly, quacked, and started to glow. Perfect, we had time. Hope, you okay? I said as Psyduck began evolution. She was soaking wet and lying on the ground, but when I reached out, she shook herself out and got up. A bit battered, but conscious somehow. (laughs) she said determinedly. Nice. Hey, dry yourself off as much as you can. You have a little time. She started to flap her wings frantically. The audience oohed and aahed at the evolving Pokemon across the field. Hey, Hope. Uh, keep drying yourself off. I want you to know, even if we don't win this battle, I'm already so, so proud of you. <clears throat> Lucas's now Golduck emerged from the light. I didn't bother to hold my necklace for luck. Luck didn't matter. Confusion. From across the battlefield, I could see the determined glint in his eyes. A headache no longer obstructing her, Golduck took a blue psychic grip on Hope, pinning her down. I was so thankful that confusion is not an inherently damaging move. Water gun. Shockwave, I said, hoping Disable's time was up. And it was. The water gun and shockwave met in midair, struggling for territory in a reverse tug-of-war. I noticed the blue glow around Hope fading, and silently said, If you can, keep using the move, and jump up or fly. Hope struggled to her feet. Still holding on to the shockwave in front of her. This situation usually plays out in favor of the physically stronger Pokemon and move. However, we had accuracy on our side. So Hope leapt into the air, flapping hard, and her shockwave made it around the water gun to hit Golduck directly. She wasn't in the air for long, still heavy with water, but it didn't matter. The water gun died down and stopped, and Golduck collapsed. Hope let up on the shockwave, gasping. <coughs> <coughs> Golduck is
3: unable to battle, which means the battle goes to Evelyn of Twinleaf Town.
0: The audience cheered or applauded politely. I saw Thomas and Dawn on the sideline, Thomas yelling,
1: Go, Evelyn!
0: and Dawn clapping with a smile on her face. I turned back to the field, and Hope immediately tackled me. I fell over backwards, laughing, my sopping wet togetick on my chest. Let us now remember that I was effectively wearing a shiny stone around my neck. The Pokémon on my chest glowed and grew heavy, and emerged a Togekiss, still hugging me. I hugged her back. I'm so proud of you, I whispered. We managed to get up and head to the middle of the battlefield for courtesy handshakes. Congrats, Lucas said shortly. Thanks. Congrats to your Golduck for evolving. And to you, that was a really good battle. He nodded tacitly. I extended my hand to shake. He extended his too, but not before hesitating just long enough for me to know he really didn't want to and was only doing so for sportsmanship's sake. I exhaled when I turned away. I still didn't know how to fix what was wrong between us, or even what was wrong, really. But for now, I pushed it aside, hugged my toga kiss again, and made my way off the field. Chapter 36 Puzzle So here's what happened next. Battles between the top 8 were set for the afternoon. These were 3-on-3 matches. Everything from quarterfinals onward would be tomorrow, day 3. Dawn had won her top 16 match, and her top 8 was early in the afternoon. She also won that. If I won my top 8, Dawn and I would be battling in the quarterfinals, a 4-on-4 double battle. I started strategizing against her immediately. I could go with Kerr, who had no particular advantage, but also no particular disadvantage. Faith had an advantage against Dawn Skyther, and no other disadvantages. Don's Electabuzz worried me because we had two disadvantages and no advantages against electricity. Hope, meanwhile, was the only one with an electric advantage against Kenna and Don's Altaria and Scyther. Death could cover Kenna and Melody with Magical Leaf and Psychic moves, but he was bad against the Skyther, which Trust could cover, but Trust was bad against Kenna and the Altaria, which Hope could cover, but she was bad against Don's Electabuzz, which none of us could cover. Anyways, I'll spare myself the embarrassment and just tell you I lost the next battle. In the retrospect of just a few minutes after Faith, Death, and Prom got trashed by Ashley De Leon of Sunnyshore, I figured out that I'd been so focused on my battle with Dawn, I forgot to take the present battle seriously. First tournament anyways. Not bad. Got to top 8. Lucky evolved. That confused me until I remembered I'd been using the shiny stone necklace as a lucky charm. <laughs> yeah. I suppose so. Day 3. Don and Thomas were still in, so Lucas and I stayed. Thomas joined us in watching Don's mid-morning quarterfinal battle. It was a strange experience. Thomas sat between me and Lucas, talking to both of us in turn. Occasionally, I would attempt to reply to something Lucas said. He never responded to me. Don did better than I did against Ashley, but she lost as well. This made me feel a little bit better about my loss. Afterwards, Don and Lucas headed out. I almost considered leaving. More time with Lucas, more time to figure things out but I knew I was a better person than that. Sorry we're not staying longer. It's just, if we leave now, we can get to Pastoria by nightfall. That's alright. You guys are traveling together again? Don shook her head. We're just heading in the same direction. I'm stopping in Pastoria, but he's heading back to Canaleve. That made more sense. It's really nice of you to stay for him, though. Don said, referring to the five-badge trainer with the battle in three hours. I shrugged. It's not like he's got anyone else supporting him. Don nodded. Okay. Well, see you around. See ya. Lucas didn't say anything. Say goodbye, you goof, Don said, mussing his hair. He smoothed his hair back down. Bye. For a moment, his expression was almost open, like he was fine with, even glad about, talking to me. See you, I said, my heart back flipping. He looked away. Should I have been pleased he reacted like that? Concerned that Don had to prompt him to say anything? Flipping heck, man. As we parted ways, though, I kept thinking of how Don had messed with his hair, and how Lucas hated to be touched. I never would have done that. Thomas left lunch early to get dressed up. That still seems like such a hassle.
1: I'm performing.
0: I shook my head and finished my lunch. There was a good hour left before his battle, so I went to wander around a little outside the stadium. Excuse me, do you know what divisions are competing right now? I turned around. There was a girl who looked about my age, Short, dark-haired, wearing a grey cardigan over a blue skirt. I think they're on a break right now. The 5 and 6 badge division starts quarterfinals at 1. Okay, thanks. I nodded, and noticed a little Latios-shaped figure at the bottom of her skirt. Nice skirt! Oh, thanks, it's my favorite. She had a slight Jubilee accent. You're into the Eon Duo too? Ever since I was little. Same here. I've forgotten all my reasons why, but I remember thinking they're awesome. Yeah, and and who needs mainstream favorites like Mewtwo and Articuno when you can support the underappreciated legendary Pokemon out there? So true. Anyways, <laughs> I gotta catch up with my friends, but thanks again. I'm trying to avoid someone in the First Division. She said, shrugging in a what-can-you-do kind of way. Ah, okay. Have fun. Thanks. She walked off, and I caught myself feeling lighter than before. I guess I'd enjoyed being able to connect with someone like that. Or you think she's cute, said a voice in the back of my head. I tensed and glanced at the girl walking away. No, I don't, I told the voice hurriedly, looking away. What makes you so sure? I shook my head internally. No, if she was cute, I hadn't noticed. She just had the body type I'd always wanted, and I liked her skirt because it was blue and had a latios. Do you hear yourself? Stop, I told the stupid voice, deciding to walk to the green room just to get away from this. There was something terribly wrong with Thomas's outfit.
1: What is it? Did I spill something?
0: He asked, looking down.
1: I've only been wearing this for five minutes.
0: No. It was a button-down and pants like the day before, although this shirt was burgundy and his pants were dark brown. The shirt was tucked in evenly, his socks matched, and there were no stains in sight. I don't know what it is, I finally said.
1: Okay. Well, if you figure it out, let me know.
0: Oh, I will. This is really bothering me.
1: That's not all that's bothering you.
0: I raised an eyebrow.
1: Hey, I was there this morning, too.
0: You mean when Lucas was refusing to talk to me? Mm Mm-hmm. Thanks for bringing it up. I really appreciate it, I said, laying the sarcasm on thick.
1: Just checking on how you're doing.
0: I rubbed my forehead tiredly. Thomas, I'm fine. He didn't respond. He set his bag on the countertop by a mirror and started rummaging through it. Whatever. I just don't get why he's so mad at me. He's not mad. I blinked. You know what's going on? Tell me.
1: I don't know what's going on,
0: he said taking several things out of his bag. Water, a bowl, a glasses case.
1: He just didn't strike me as mad.
0: And you know this, how exactly?
1: Same way I know that you're stressing over him.
0: Thomas said, pointing his glasses case at me. It's obvious. Then what is he, if not mad? He tapped the case against his chin.
1: You know when you spend too much time with someone and you don't want to talk to them anymore?
0: I've literally never felt that way. Is this a subliminal message?
1: What I'm saying is he just doesn't feel like talking to you. I don't know why. That's just the sense I got.
0: Huh. So he just needs space?
1: Yeah, probably.
0: He looked into his bag and pulled out a small plastic case.
2: Next up, Kyle Wynn. On deck, Thomas Zamora.
0: I'm gonna find a spot. Good luck.
1: Wait, can you hold on to my wallet? I don't want to leave it in the room.
0: I found it him. Did someone hold it the last few times you battled?
1: These pants have smaller pockets. Please?
0: I took it and put it in my bag. Thanks. He turned to the mirror. I headed out, still thinking about what he'd said. So Lucas just needed space. Was that the case? I hadn't even seen him for weeks before this tournament, so... I also couldn't deny the physical ache in my chest when I thought about having to avoid talking to him. In the past, especially last time around, talking to him always lifted my spirits so much. It didn't even matter what we were talking about. It could be something mundane, or he could lean in like he was listening, or he could hear everything I said easily. It always resulted in every part of me floating on air. I'm not sure I can explain why. Maybe it was the way he leaned in. Maybe it was the way he held my eyes with his. The way someone would hold both your hands in sincerity. Most likely it's because I love him. Anyways, giving Lucas even more space would sting, but if it was for the best, then it would be worth it. I could do that. Decisions are a lot easier to make when you don't immediately feel their impacts. I found a seat in the stadium as Kyle Wynn defeated Kevin Hale. The venue was really filling up as trainers who'd finished their brackets joined the audience and spectators came to watch higher stakes and higher division battles. I checked my poke The tournament was slightly behind schedule. There was no gap between the current battlers leaving the field and the next battlers walking on. This will be a four-on-four double battle between Thomas of Eckertique City and Tagel of Snowpoint City. No substitutions will be allowed between rounds. Battlers, are you ready? I was zoning out a little, so it took me a minute to notice that Thomas wasn't wearing his glasses. But when I did, everything clicked into place. Battle! Begin! I'd rarely ever seen him without his glasses on, and he looked so different that it was no wonder I'd forgotten. If his clothing had seemed wrong before, his lack of glasses was the last piece in a puzzle spelling disaster. Because I remembered him. Valor Resort Tournament last time around. Dawn was up against a 3-badge trainer, a guy dressed up in dark red and brown. For the longest time, he had the upper hand, and Dawn was down to her last Pokemon, Rhea, her Grottle. Rhea finally beat the trainer's first Pokemon, a Sandslash. Lucas and I cheered for Don, and we were so focused on the battle we didn't realize anything was wrong until Rhea also beat the trainer's silver Noctowl. That was fast, I said, frowning.
2: Look at her opponent.
0: I looked, and found Don's opponent glancing nervously at the sidelines. I didn't see anything out of the ordinary there, but whatever he was looking at was enough to thoroughly distract him from the battle. He shakily pulled out his last Pokeball and released a Kualava on the field. At the time, I didn't have a ton of battle experience, but I could still clearly see how little sense his battle choices made. He did things like ask his Quilava to use ember when Ria had her between her jaws, where the Quilava couldn't reach her. Sloppy decisions that were nothing like the trainer he'd been five minutes ago. And he lost. He calmly shook hands with Dawn, but as he walked off the field, a shadow passed over his face. For a split second, he looked for the world like he was breaking inside. But he composed himself and left the field. I had to retrace. Where were we sitting when we watched them? Wait, what side of the stadium was Dawn on? The north side? The south side? Or was that a different tournament?" I shook my head a little. It wasn't even the same battle timing. Different division, different round. Cassie and Esther were on the field up against a Shogun and Daikenki- sorry, a Samurot. Do you mind if I just call her a Daikenki? Tejal, the opponent, was playing with type disadvantage and getting her Daikenki to attack Cassie. Thomas was mostly having Cassie dodge and Esther attack, turning the advantages around. He was ignoring the Shogun, but he could afford to, as the dragon type wasn't especially fast. Things were going well. And yet, I couldn't get it out of my head.
2: Evelyn, have you ever… well, peut-être pas.
0: What are you talking about?
2: Someone is trying to t- talk à moi. Who? Je ne sais pas.
0: Thomas's counter-strategy quickly paid off, as a thunder from Esther took out the Daikenki. Tejel sent in a Vibrava, and though Thomas tried, Esther soon went down as well. He sent out his Absol.
2: Ah, it's him. What's him? Marcasson's trying to talk more.
0: I zeroed in on Thomas's Absol. Marcasson looked anxious. Oh no. The disaster Pokemon knew something was up. Okay, what happened to Thomas last time? What would do that to him? I barely know him, I thought desperately. How am I supposed to figure this out? Well, what do you know about him? I. Fuck, um, he's from Johto, he's got five badges in two regions, he hasn't gotten over his ex. It clicked. I dug through my bag to find Thomas' wallet, and dug through his wallet to find the photo of him in April. I could try and match the photo to the people in the crowd, although the stadium was full enough that this might take a while. No such problem. I recognized the girl in the picture immediately. We'd had a chat about legendary Pokemon. I scanned the stadium for blue and gray, and eventually found the girl in the Latio's skirt on the opposite side of the battlefield. She was sitting dangerously close to the sideline with two friends, watching the battle with a nervous grimace on her face. No wonder she's avoiding someone in the First Division. At the rate of five badges in one year, Thomas ought to be a one-badge trainer in Zeno by now. I bolted down the stairs, to the edge of the stands. Marcosan took out the Vibrava with an ice beam. Two to one, Thomas. I hear a cross during the battle. Thomas was winning. Maybe if I could just pull Thomas' attention away from the wrong side of the field until the end of the battle. Go, Thomas! I shouted. He grinned in my direction and continued battling. You got this, Thomas! I kept yelling. Go! Woo! The noise of the crowd made my shouting less weird. Not that the weirdness mattered, I just needed Thomas not to see her. Then Cassie tackled Heracross with Flame Wheel, throwing them both into the far wall. Too close, too close, too close, too close, too close. You got this, Thomas! I hollered desperately. But his face fell. The smile melted from his face, and he forgot to give his Pokemon a command. April happened to glance his way and cringed as their eyes met. Come on, Thomas! I yelled, faltering. They broke eye contact almost immediately. Thomas kept looking back anxiously at April. He was breathing too fast. The battle was as good as over. Cassie went down quickly, and Swain went in briefly before he and Marcuson both fell to Thomas's opponent. I was out of there before Thomas and Tajel even shook hands. I rushed to the green room. Thomas jumped when I burst into the room. What's wrong? What's wrong? Are you okay? Are you? Yeah. Um? What? I stared into the innocent facade of his face. Thomas was composed, but something about him was the smallest bit subdued.
1: I'm gonna go get dressed,
0: he said, pointing at the bathroom stalls. I realized he was holding his regular clothes in his hands. Oh. Okay. He went in, and I sank into an armchair with a sigh. So much for that. Honestly, it seems like this bothered him less than me. He was taking this… very well. I'd mostly been worried because I knew he still wasn't over her but he'd taken it similarly well last time. But then there was the overwhelming sense of missing a puzzle piece. Thanks for listening! Thomas is voiced by Tim Markham, Definite by Omar Gomez, Faith by my sister Zeke, Looker by Matthew Chin, and Carolina by my sister Emma. Emily Liu voices Don, Sean Ezenwuko voices Lucas in increasingly tiny sound bites, and Justin Wynn lends us his voice as the announcer. Michi Lachese and Caitlin Watkins voice the referees, and joining us for the first time is absolute legend Sophie Kobarubia as April. Subscribe on your favorite podcast app, rate the pod 5 stars where you can, and check out our Instagram at chanceoutloud. If you want to read ahead, you can find Chance online at fanfiction.net or archive of our own. All links are in the description. See you next time!